Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You know, last week I applied to become a chaplain at a local hospital. And when I told the head of chaplaincy there that I would be like Chaplain John Berger, who used to preach here, the manager of spiritual care for the hospital looked at me and she said, I remember John Berger. And he said, he was pretty direct. <laughs> and then she went on to tell me that she has a degree in interfaith theology and that the divine isn't everywhere, and she was uh, pretty opposed to making converts. And so she said, you have to sign up for a one-year course in another hospital. Anyway, I have to get reprogrammed. Okay, so why? Because it's not popular to make converts. Conversion today is seen as something wrong. But Ruth was a convert. And what does the world think today when they hear that someone has become a convert? The usual thought is a person like something terrible happened to him, but then, you know, he became a convert, like Tony Blair became a convert from being a Protestant to becoming a Catholic, see? So the idea today behind being a convert is that a person just converts from one religion to another. A person who just stops going to one place of worship and then starts going to another place of worship, that's a convert. Or a person who changes their identity, they say, they say, well, I used to be a Catholic, now I'm a Baptist, see? Or a person who changes their religious traditions, But what kind of a convert was Ruth? Ruth, we can see that when we look at Ruth 1, 16 and 18, that's Ruth's confession of her conversion. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go, where thou lodgest, I will lodge, thy people shall be my people, thy God my God, where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried, the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught by death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, she left speaking to her. See, Ruth's confession of her conversion, it's a model for what it means for when a person is truly converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Ruth's confession of conversion here, she says, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee, and where thou diest, I will die, and the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me, so all this talk about death and dying, those were statements of the strength of her conversion. She was saying that her conversion was so strong that she would rather die than go back to Moab. And a person who has not been converted to Christ unless they would rather die than deny the Lord Jesus Christ. When a person dies for the Lord Jesus Christ, we say that person is what? A martyr. A martyr, right? A martyr. That's the meaning of the Greek word martus, which is translated martyr. When Paul spoke of his unregenerate days, when he consented unto Stephen's death, his murder, in Acts 22, 
20, he said, and when the blood of thy martyr, the blood of thy martus, Stephen, was shed, I was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. See, that word martus is used in the New Testament 34 times. But of the 34 times, 29 of those times, it's not used in the context or translated as martyr. You know what it's translated as? Witness. Acts 2.32, this Jesus hath God raised up whereof we all are witnesses, we all are martus. See, which means that a true witness of the Lord Jesus Christ is a martus. In other words, he's willing to die for what he believes about the Lord Jesus Christ. As someone has said, if you don't have something to die for, you don't have something to live for. And so just as Ruth would rather die than to deny the Lord God of Israel and turn back to Moab, a true Christian would rather die than to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Ruth's confession of her conversion, she says, whither thou goest, I'll go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Where thou diest, I will die. There will I be buried. Those were statements of her new friendship after her conversion. See, by those statements there, Ruth is saying that her old friends in the country of Moab had been replaced by a new friend she found in Naomi. Ruth was saying that her conversion resulted in her leaving her father and mother in Moab, and now Ruth is clinging to her new friend, Naomi. See, when a person is converted to the Lord Jesus Christ, he develops new, strong friendships. I remember when I was converted to the Lord Jesus Christ, how Pastor Jim became my new friend. And we would talk for hours on the phone almost every night. Do you remember that, Gene? (laughs) And then at the chapel, I started to develop new friendships. And so then in Ruth's confession of conversion, Ruth said in Ruth 1.16, thy people shall be my people. That's a statement of identity. She would say, don't call me a Moabite anymore. If you call me a Moabite, okay, that's where I came from. But I'm not a, she no longer saw the people that she came from. She no longer saw them as her people. She no longer saw the people, her people as Moabite people. She saw the Naomi's people, the Jewish people as her people. And when a person becomes a true Christian, he calls himself a Christian. And he knows that it means more than just a check mark on a questionnaire as to what religion you are. See, when a person is converted to Christ, he will tell you that I wasn't born a Christian. Nobody's born a Christian. The people become a Christian. And in Ruth's confession, she says, thy God, my God, in Ruth 1.16. In that statement, Ruth was saying that her conversion all centered around who her God was and that she was clearly stating that Jehovah Jesus was her God. That's what Ken just said. He said, everything centers in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what she was saying. Everything centers. When a person becomes a Christian, their whole life becomes centered, not around church. Their whole life becomes centered around a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ becomes their God. They find their center in him. See, conversion for Ruth and for the Christian is just a grand sweep. It's a huge sweep that goes all across all the areas of life. I was talking to a person yesterday, and I was ordering something from him on the phone, and he was working on Saturday, so I was talking to him, and he was telling me that he uh, survived acute myeloid leukemia, thing my wife died from. And uh, he was telling me about it. He was 34 years old. 
and had gone through a terrible bone marrow transplant and all the things that were wrong with them and, and so forth. Anyway, uh, so I asked him, I said, did that experience make you at all want to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ? He says, yeah, you know, I'm Catholic, but I have been thinking about this. And so I was able to explain to him, let me tell you, because he had Christian friends that were talking to him, he said, let me tell you, when you become a Christian, you got to be ready for a grand sweep in your life. It's not an add-on. It's a replacement. And that's what's meant in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. All things become new. Becoming a Christian is described as being in Christ. Well, what does that mean to be in Christ? The book of John, where the Lord Jesus Christ describes a Christian as being in Christ. See, the best description of what it means to be in Christ is the analogy that he used. And he told us that in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. See, the Lord Jesus Christ, he makes it very clear. Understanding what it means to be in Christ, he says, think about a branch that's attached to a vine. And that'll answer the question of what it means to be in Christ. Think about what it means for a branch to be in a vine. There's no way that a branch can withstand the extreme stress of the storms and whatever pressure comes out without being attached to the vine. Just as the branch in the vine finds its support to withstand the extreme stress, so we in Christ, we withstand the extreme stress in our lives by being connected to Christ, in Christ. And a branch has only one source of nourishment. And the branch receives all of its nourishment through the vine. And so just as a vine gives all of its nourishment to the branch, the branch receives all of its nourishment from the vine. So we in Christ, we receive all of our spiritual nourishment from the Lord Jesus Christ, from him. And as a result of that nourishment, a branch can bear fruit. It's the only way a branch can bear fruit, from that nourishment because it's attached to the vine. So just as the branch cannot bear fruit without the vine, we in Christ, we can't bear fruit for God unless it comes from Christ through us. You know, in my garden, there are some branches, and especially now, this time of the year, winter, they look dead. You know, they don't have any leaves on them. There's certainly no fruit. And I don't know whether they're still alive or not, these branches. So what I do, I have to go out there, I have to break some of the twigs off and see if there's any moisture, any internal moisture. Because during the winter times, when there's no fruit, the branch is sustained by the trunk. The branch is sustained by the vine till spring comes. And so just as the branch is sustained by the vine during the fruitless, leafless times of winter, when it just has to endure So in Christ, we are sustained by the Lord Jesus Christ during the dry, fruitless times in our lives till spring comes again. See, when a person becomes a Christian, everything changes. There's this great sweep, and the view of the world changes. We talked about this at Wednesday night prayer meeting. The whole face of nature changes. It's like a coming into a new world. The hills and the valleys and the skies and the trees and the sun and the stars, they all seem to be new They all seem to have a new beauty because of a freedom that we now can say, my father made them all. He couldn't say that before. Not just God made them, but my father made them. And that's the depth of what it means to be in Christ and a new creature. When a person's become a Christian, he gradually, he learns, I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. A person becomes a a believer, he doesn't know that immediately. 
He doesn't know that the Lord's in him and that he's in Christ, but he discovers it. He discovers it. And the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 14, 20, at that day, you will know that I am in my Father and ye in me and I in you. When the Lord said at that day, that means that they didn't know right then, but that they would know. When a person first becomes a Christian, he doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ has taken up residence in him. Probably scare him if he did. (laughs) He has no idea what it means to be in Christ, but he finds out later. And Paul described how he found out. He described that how he found out that he was in Christ and Christ was in him when he wrote about that in Galatians 1, 15 through 16, because he said in those verses, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. See, he uses this word, revealed. He uses the word to discover. He says, I discovered, I found out. How? It was revealed to me. What was revealed? His son in me, inside of me. He says that God revealed that his son was in me. And then he said, you know why God revealed that to me? Because it was not so that Paul could go around and say, that's really neat. It's really neat to know that God's son is in me. I feel really neat. No. Paul said the reason God revealed that to Paul that his son was in him, he said, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately, I conferred not with flesh and blood. So he didn't go and say, so what do you think? He didn't do that. He said, the reason God revealed to Paul that his son was in Paul is that I might preach him among the heathen. That word might means ability. So Paul's saying, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him. He's saying that to reveal his son in me that I might be able to preach him among the heathen. See, that was the knowledge of Christ in Paul that gave Paul the ability to preach the gospel to the world. I mean, we can see how important that is for Paul to have this knowledge. I mean, here God tells Paul, Paul, go into all the heathen world and bring the gospel to these people who have never heard. And Paul's wondering, how am I going to do that? How am I supposed to do that? I mean, he already saw what he was up against at Mars Hill. You see, he couldn't even count all the gods they had. He finally said, well, I'll start here, the unknown God. Maybe that'll give me traction. That's where Paul's sitting there in that state, and that's where God says, wait a minute, Paul, I'm not asking you to do this alone. I'm not asking you to go out there alone. I'm revealing to you that my son is already inside of you, so the two of you are going to bring the gospel to the lost, you and my son that's in you. And what a difference that makes to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is in us. Therefore, we're not alone when we bring the gospel to the lost. And when it was revealed to Paul that Christ was in him, he saw people as two different categories. He said, okay, it's very easy now. They're either in Christ or they're not in Christ. And when he spoke to believers, he says, he kept calling me. He says, I see you. Oh, you see you. You're in Christ. You're in Christ. Oh, you, you're in Christ. Oh, I know you. You're in Christ. Romans 1.16. Salute Andronicus and Junio, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who were also in Christ before me. And then in Romans 16.11, oh, salute, by the way, those people, are the salute Herodian, my kinsmen, greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. And the benefits to being in Christ, he described them in Romans 8, 1. There's thou for now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. See, only for those who are in Christ Jesus is there now no condemnation. See, that little word now is wonderful when it says there is therefore now no condemnation. The moment we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we become in Christ, we receive the benefit of no condemnation. 
That word now has the power for us to now, when we remember our sins, which we do, that we're guilty of, and we know that therefore now no condemnation for those sins we can remember because we're in Christ Jesus. Another benefit of being in Christ is stated in 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. See, being in Christ means that we have the benefit of having him become our wisdom and giving us God's wisdom, of having him become our righteousness and giving us God's righteousness, of having him become our sanctification, making us usable by God, of having him becoming our redemption, giving us the blood of Christ as the payment for our sins. See, all those benefits, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, they're all because we are in Christ. And that's why it says in Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So we receive all the spiritual blessings because we are in Christ. And then there's the benefit that all these distinctions between people, they all disappear in Christ. Galatians 3.27-29, as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Greek, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. So in Christ, there's no distinction to being a Jew or not being a Jew, to being a male, to being female, all in one in Christ. And the Lord spoke about this. With, this is what he meant when he said in uh, John 15, 2, every branch in me, that beareth not fruit, he takes away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, may bring forth more fruit. See, to be in Christ is like the vine. It's like the branch in the vine. Everything comes from him. That's why it challenges us today. Don't try to live independent of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you're the branches. Abide. He that abides in me, I in him. The same brings forth much fruit. Boaz hears this about Ruth. She's a convert. He understands the grand sweep that's happened in her life. Boaz hears the foreman say, and she said, I pray you, let me glean, gather after the reapers among the sheaves. She came, continued from the even till morning, tarries a little in the house. See, he hears this about Ruth, and she hears, she's a hard worker. And he understands she's a diligent person. And then he understands she's a humble person. She asked permission. You know, I mean, she had a right because of the Mosaic law to glean there, but she asked permission. She said, right or no right, I'm going to ask permission. I'm only going if he gives me permission. So we see Ruth, she's meekly asking the foreman permission to glean. Can I glean in this field? And when we think of Ruth, she's a beggar. She's humbly asking for permission to glean in the field. You know who she will become? She will become the mistress over that field. She'll become the boss of that man that four men. And to see that illustration is to understand what the Lord Jesus Christ said when he said in Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit this field. And Ruth was meek. And by her marriage, in a sense, she inherited that field. And that shows us the importance to be like Ruth. Be meek, because the Lord said, blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. And in her meekness, Ruth asked Boaz in verse 10, why did you take knowledge of me? Because seeing I'm just a stranger. 
And Boaz explains why he's been so kind to her in verse 11. Boaz answers, said unto her, it's been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thy husband. You left your father, mother, land of nativity. Come to a people you didn't know. Boaz said, it's been fully showed me. And he uses this word. He actually, it uses the Hebrew word twice. Boom, boom, right in a row for emphasis. It was told me, it was told me. And we see Boaz being told about all that Ruth had done. It makes us think of the Lord Jesus Christ going to receive a report about our lives. How our lives are going to just be laid out before him for the purpose of receiving rewards or losing rewards. It's a good thing for us to keep that in mind, that our work is not going unnoticed. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not a waste of time. The Lord encouraged us. Keep those rewards in mind. And he said in Matthew 10, 42, he said, Whosoever shall give a cup, a drink, a, 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 these little ones, a cup of cold water, only in the name of the disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Paul encouraged Timothy, don't lose sight of the rewards. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 8, Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, not to me only, but to unto all them that love is appearing. And not only Paul, Azariah, the prophet, encouraged Israel to remember their work is going to be rewarded by God. In 2 Chronicles 15, 7, he says to Israel, the prophet says, Be ye strong, therefore, let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. David encouraged Israel, remember, God has great rewards for those that obey him in Psalm 1911. Moreover, by them, the word of God, is thy servant warned, and in keeping them, them, there is great reward. See, Nehemiah, Nehemiah was interesting because he worried that God was going to forget. <laughs> Nehemiah, I don't know, understand Nehemiah, but anyway, he wanted to make sure, God, did you see what I just did here? Don't forget that. You know, he says, you know, so a number of times, he says in Nehemiah 5.19, Think upon me, my God, for good, according to all that I've done for this people. And Nehemiah 13.22, I commanded the Levites they should cleanse themselves, they should come and keep the gates sanctified day. Remember me, O oh my God, concerning this also. You say, now you write that down in your list, God. I'm afraid you're going to remember. forget about it. <laughs> you know? In Nehemiah 13.14, Remember me, O oh my God, concerning this. And wipe not out all my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for the offenses thereof. Nehemiah 13.30, Thus cleansed I them from all the strangers and appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, everyone in his business. See, it says, remember me, remember me, remember me. You know, he's asking God to don't forget because he's focused on the rewards. It's a good thing. And Boaz, he calls out in verse 11, Boaz answered and said unto her, it had been fully showed me all that thou hast done to thy mother-in-law. It was true. Ruth did a lot for her mother-in-law. Boy, did she ever. I mean, but up until this point, did anybody acknowledge that? I mean, when Naomi came back to Bethlehem, what did she have to say? She said, I came back empty. You know, certainly this is no acknowledgement of what Ruth had done for her. And when the women of the city came to stare at Naomi, they didn't say anything about Ruth, what she had done. We can imagine how Ruth would have said to herself, no one sees all that I've done for my mother-in-law. I mean, Naomi calls me nothing when she says I've come back empty. Everyone here just despises me for being a Moabite. But Boaz, in verse 14, he said, it had been fully showed me all that thou hast done, all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law. That was a real encouragement for Ruth. And that's a picture of how the Lord Jesus Christ takes knowledge of us. 
You know, like the song says, does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song? Oh, as the burdens press, as the cares distress and the way grows weary and long? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being our Boaz. We're Ruth, Lord, and you're our Boaz, and we serve you. And so, Lord, we pray that we would not become discouraged on the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.